Hello everyone, I hope you're well. I just want to say that I'm really excited for you all to hear our first episode of season two and our first proper guest episode. I uh, just wanted to pre-warn you that Tom does actually get taken away from the episode halfway through, through no fault of our own. Um, apparently anti-doping is a big thing in elite sport, so just keep an ear out for that. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoy it and see you next week. Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new season of the Weekly Freestyle. This is season two, episode one, and we're starting off with a bang. So we've got our first ever guest on the podcast. Uh, I'm really, really pleased to introduce a good friend of mine, a world record holder in the swimming world, a fellow you know, training partner in the past, and a, 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 an avid listener of the Weekly Freestyle, hopefully. Uh, George Taplin, thank you very much for joining us today, George. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks, Tom. Good stuff. So Alex is um, with George, actually. So they're together and I'm in Bath at the moment recording this. Um, and we're going to be able to produce a little bit of video content as well, which is really exciting. But I thought I'd just kick it off with an introduction. So George and I grew up, um, well, we grew up racing each other initially, actually. We raced uh, first time we went head to head in a bit of a clash it was the 2011 Summer Nationals um, when we were both 11 years old. And uh, we had a bit of a tussle on the 200 IM. Uh, I think that's uh, that one went my way. I think it was the only one that went my way for about the next eight years to follow. But um, we we raced each, each other, um, George Swimming for Hillington Swimming Club, myself for Maidenhead. And then um, about five years down the line, uh, George joined Maidenhead Swimming Club. And we were training partners for a number of years before uh, we kind of both went our separate ways. So, um, yeah, we've got a pretty long history of just being in the swimming world together, really. And that's actually going to be our first question. It's going to be to do with the... Uh, the training that you did at Hillingdon actually so um we didn't train together for you know the first seven years of of our swimming careers but you've told me a few stories about the kind of training you did at Hillingdon and I was just wondering if you could share you know an anecdote or two about just how insane you know the yardage and the demands on on y- yourself as a young athlete were yeah cheers Tom I think yeah I guess tussle on the 200 I am I guess it's the right word it was uh we had big differences didn't we and I think your breaststroke left me about five meters to catch up on the last length of freestyle and I thought I got you I think even um some of the <laughs> swimming team thought I got you because of the the number was like I think eight eight versus eight three and I think everyone thought the three was an eight so we drew <laughs> we didn't you beat me <laughs> um but no yeah you're right I think I think um when we were when we were young in our age group years we had slightly different training programs I, I think as you mentioned um you had a big sort of step up when you were 15 16 and that sort of correlates to your performances and there'll be questions around if how key that was to your long-term development as an athlete um but yeah I think at that point in time in swimming there are a lot of programs doing a lot of mileage at that age with young kids and to be honest swimming is you know still has a reputation for it and I think because there's such structure from a young age in swimming in terms of, you know, you can be nine years old qualifying for a county level competition. And when you compare this to other sports, it's, it's just simply not an option in other sports. And, you know, that, that's got its advantages and disadvantages. Um, but, you know, one thing's for sure is Hillingdon had a great, great energy uh, and a lot of high performing athletes there. So, um, yeah, we, you know, volume is, is key in a lot of endurance sports and, yeah from a young age we got going you know towards eight nine sessions a week and and with, with some Sundays sort of being around three hours and frequently 
going over 10,000 meters and um, you know probably the most memorable one going up to 12,000 meters which I, I think kind of set me up in the future to think about more long distance swims because when in one training session you're doing 12k mm. you can kind of almost scale up actually you know you're a quarter of the way across the channel there almost over that you know maybe yeah. a third of the way and that's just one training session so um yeah some big volume a lot of intensity but also you know as you probably found as, as we spoke many times you're swimming friends and your friends at the club are almost you're closer than than sometimes even uh, you know other other friends in your life even at school because it becomes your life and you you're all dedicating and going through the suffering together a bit different to what you were doing I think at that age yeah <laughs> a little bit different um so for, for we'll, we'll get on to one of the things we're actually going to talk about is kind of what you're able to draw from those early years and carry it into what you've done in the last few years and, and some of the kind of the positives and some of the negatives as well that you're able to take away from that but first of all for you know people who aren't uh, avid swimmers themselves to put that into perspective my big session, so at a Performance National Centre, you know, the, the Team GB Performance National Centre, one of the, the big sessions we do will be 7K. You know, they'll be, you know, maybe once a fortnight, something like that, you know, 7,000 metres in a, in a, in a two-hour session. That's really kind of pushing the top end of, of yardage. So to put into perspective, George was swimming 10, 11, 12-kilometre sessions um, when he was, you know, a young teenager, which just is... I know you said a lot of programmes are, are quite um endurance and distance and volume focus but I, I mean I think of all the people that I've met through those age group years you know it's got to be some of the most unreal training you know it always makes me think of the kind of yardages that that Thorpe was doing you know in his prime when he was doing these uh, 100 kilometer weeks and things like that so um that's really interesting to to hear about it um you know and and, and you were you were kind of a long distance freestyler um from a young age while you're doing yeah you're, you're training at hillingdon and um i'm right in saying your coach made you get in and and do a stand-up 1500 meter effort before some of the sessions is that right yeah yeah i used to sort of um jump in the pool a little little early on some of the mornings um to go through the experience of the 1500 the 1500 is you know it's a very unique event it's very different a lot of the other ones is more about you know, look a bit more at just sort of going fast and just trying to tolerate it. Whereas there's a lot more tactics involved in 1500s and, and pacing. So, um, but at that, at that age, I remember just, just today, actually, I was trying to sort my room out and I saw an old chart that I had of my 1500s and the dates on them. And you can just see the sort of linear increase in speed as because mm. at that age, week by week, you can almost notice the improvements, but yeah, yeah I mean, it was a way of adding an extra one and a half kilometers into the session at a time where we thought, you know, that, that's what we needed. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was, it was 12 and 13, you know, we were young, but also we we had the ambition of going to win national medals. And, you know, that is, it's fiercely competitive at that age. And yeah, we thought that's what would, you know, give, give you sort of the edge over your competitors. So um, that's, yeah, training really. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's 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 interesting, and and like I said, you know, we're going to speak about the positives. And you said, you know, ambition, having that drive, you know, getting out what you put in. They sound like all things are some of the positives that you're able to take away from that. Um, do you do you think that was too much at a young age? Do you think there are any negatives that go along with that? Do you reckon it was um, reinforcing, you know, um, a, a work ethic that was almost unhealthy at that point, or do you reckon more young swimmers should go through that kind of process? Um, you know, now that you're you know, a decade removed um, from a decade removed from that kind of training, you know, it, can you kind of see some of the negatives or is it? all sure. Positives? Yeah, sure. I, I think 
I think a decade on, like, I think the sport's actually changed a little bit since then as well. And I think a lot of the sort of coaching ethos has changed. Like, of course, when you question the optimal athlete long-term development, would you recommend like 60 kilometer weeks, you know, on, on average for, for a group of 10 to 11 year olds, I would, I'd probably say no. Um, mm. However, that said, you, you do have the likes of Michael Phelps's and the people you, you're not guaranteed to get burnt out per se, which is yeah. what, what a lot of people talk about. Um, you know, so some people can tolerate it. And for some people that will be what they need. Um, I, I think, I think, what has changed is the knowledge of in, intensity and actually um, you, you sometimes got that ethos of always, you know, the faster you go, like, you know, if it's not hurting, it's not training or something like that. And, and you'll know probably what one of the, the biggest differences, I think, you know, speaking with you as, as you stepped up to that international level of competition and, you know, national training at a national center in all sports, I think there's a lot more intensity control around aerobic work. Mm. So that knowledge about, you know your your basically your endurance profile and how to actually what your low intensity training is and what the benefits are of it um so i think what 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 has changed is probably um hopefully there's a bit more of like i think that's what paul does really well your, your paul lloyd coach at maidenhead is actually controlling the intensity and not always you don't need to finish collapsed on the floor at every session. I mean, yeah. that is a, a, I'd say a suboptimal way of training if you, yeah. if you finish, you know, maxed out. So um, I think, I think, yeah, looking back, I, I never really, I mean, for me, I always wanted to push myself the hardest. I thought you need to empty yourself on every session. And I think looking back, what, what that does do though, is it does teach you how to suffer. And that means coming races, you're like a resilient, like, you know a bulletproof racehorse ready to ready to give your all but uh in, in terms of actual training physiology i think yeah i, I think there probably was, was spaces for like a bit more lower intensity work and yeah. um but the sports moved moved on since then as well really um and to be honest at that age like you know coaches are developing as well and i think you just want to give your best um yeah and is, yeah. is George, I was just going to say, is that something that you enjoy doing in terms of like now and going back then? Do you enjoy sort of being that guy who's smashing the longest distance? And do you enjoy going, right, I've got a hellish session yeah. coming up here, but this is what I love doing. And are you kind of addicted to that, like emptying the tank or is it? We just, I think just, yeah, yeah, I think, I think every, everybody needs to, I mean, at the top, top level of sport, you need to almost enjoy that, that era of solitude, like when you actually are, you're testing yourself in terms of you, you get to that limit where there's you, you are really suffering and when everything's telling you to stop I yeah. mean that's obviously I mean with your sort of lap, when you're hitting lactates of around 18 millimole tom mm. like <laughs> that will be you know you are pinned against the wall you know so yeah um and I think there is that when you're 12 and 13 you're in a group of friends that you're all such good friends with but also so competitive with yeah and I think you're right doing 10 400s like close to your pv time or something like you're going to go away with that session thinking you know proud of yourself yeah um but but yeah i think that that's the difference is like looking at it as you know also, also doing some coaching myself now that they're sort of what really what you should title sort of the the sexy sessions right they're the ones yeah. where you can i mean especially as a runner you'll you'll know like actually mechanically there's only so many of those sessions you can do running i think there's a lot yeah the confines of high intensity sessions i think running's almost they've had that 
going for quite yeah they've actually had that nailed in the woodwork for a while so um lots of easy days for runners. yeah exactly exactly and swimming you can get away with more right like i mean i'm sure like you'll see with tom's program like there's a bit more uh, high intensity stuff probably versus yeah. running so um but no i yeah, i was just gonna say it's mad to think that most 12 13 year olds boys and girls that i don't i don't even know what they're doing they're hanging out back at home watching tv but yeah as a, as a youngster yourself you're like no i fancy a 12k session this morning yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just not normal <laughs> well yeah it wasn't it wasn't every day was 12k you know that was that was a sunday special and that was the, the longest one but um yeah i think i think also what we were preparing for at that age is when you go to to a big competition like a nationals and you're doing multiple events I mean, it's almost what you're preparing yourself for tom now you, you you're spreading out into sort of some of the medley as well and and potentially you know hopefully a 400 freestyle as well it the, the volume that you're going to hit when you have heats and finals yeah 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 warm-ups and cool downs i remember when i was i was 12 i was sort of counting up if you actually work out in one week the mileage you're going to hit i mean that that's just what makes what michael phelps and mm. some of the many other greats did at these major competitions is that the volume of swimming they actually swam that week you need to have an aerobic engine to actually yeah. it's not a secret is it no story goes that phelps when he swam in beijing going for eight gold medals he raced 17 times which means 17 warm-ups and swim downs uh in the lead up to that so his taper and everything he never dropped below 60k a week yeah you know, just because you have to keep that. So, so you're absolutely right, man. No, I do see where you're coming from, and and it is yeah. interesting. And you know, you build that engine up when you are a young athlete. Yeah. Um, I just think you know, it just sounds like you built more of an engine up than 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 most kind of teenage swimmers. Um, and that actually kind of carries me on to my next question. So, moving on slightly later into your life, you you um left the sport of pool swimming. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. When you when you moved to university when you were 18, is that right? Uh. Yeah, it was actually um. So my final year is is yeah the year before almost so year thirteen yeah final year of sixth form I had out the water um I think because you kind of make a decision around university normally mm. you kind of know where you're going or make a plan the year before don't you so I think at that point when I realised I wasn't going to go to one of the national centres decided to um yeah explore different mm. avenues really yeah and and it's interesting because you see so you walked away from the sport of swimming which is a massive massive thing anyone who's been a swimmer in their life or any high level sports person especially after the hours that yourself you know you've put into that sport and and what you've given to it it's a it's a tough process to go through and I've spoken to a lot of swimmers who have you know retired or or, or walked away and it is it's undeniably tough because it's such a big part of your life and you went on this journey where you you walked away from that and started university and I know you really got into your running and you're cycling and then you've just opened up this whole new area of your life into these incredible long distance open water swims and it's it'd just be interesting to learn more about you know your your mental journey over those three or four years and how you went from um you know leaving a really big part of your life behind and and you know being in year 13 and kind of first year university and then finding this newfound love and and I guess and rekindling that love for for the sport of swimming um you know i don't think many people can can say they've been on a journey quite like that yeah yeah sure it's um yeah i think it's a i think it's an important area to talk about that's not spoken of enough is actually what happens after swimming and and you know i think they're recognizing that more of elite level athletes in terms of helping support them when they stop but i think there still needs to be some appreciation for in swimming club level swimmers are actually 
swimming near enough similar programs to that of elite level swimmers but they're just doing school on top of it you know or something so um it is you know i think you may have even found that over covid when you when you couldn't swim and you're restricted to a rowing erg or something like you become dependent almost on sport as like a regulating mechanism for your like mental like a mental refresh as well i i found so um yeah stopping it was was difficult because it's almost your like identity like with friends and stuff they kind of come to you like you know always it's like oh you, you know you're still going to make the olympics and then when you yeah. have to be like you know i think at the start i'd just be like yeah <laughs> even, <laughs> even when i had quit you know so, yeah because it's yeah. sometimes harder to navigate those yeah conversations um and then yeah it's the sort of journey to return for swimming for me was a bit of a funny one um I, I never purposely i always enjoyed being in the water i mean from from a young age and that's really why i took up swimming and i never quite stopped and that's where triathlon at, at sheffield uni was great because i had three one-hour sessions and we only did two kilometers so that's that's a weekly volume of six kilometers there uh but it was fantastic fun i actually enjoyed them and i was sort of coaching some of those sessions as well so um it opened up a whole new meaning to what swimming is yeah um but yeah 6k a week so i mean almost i guess doesn't count for most competitive <laughs> swimmers really as, as swimming but um yeah so i kept ticking over with with a bit of yeah a little bit of swimming but mostly cross training and really enjoying cycling out in the peak district in sheffield mm. um but where the world of sort of long distance swimming came for me was after i did a, a summer camp in canada so i was working at a summer camp with um as a kayak instructor out there and the, the lakes out there were just phenomenal the clarity of them and also the, the temperature of them as well um you know was sat around sort of 23 24 degrees which was perfect for swimming and you didn't need any wetsuit um and yeah just most mornings i'd wake up early and just use that as my time to have a reset before sort of uh, having to look after a, a group of eight to ten yeah. uh, eight ten year old very naughty boys so that i'd use that as my time to kind of um refresh really so got into swimming there swam out to the um yeah we had this highway swim which was up to the other side of the, of the lake and that was about 4k which was um yeah just just got into doing that most mornings and, sorry george uh, i'm gonna have to interrupt you here i've got anti-doping have just turned up um to do a doping no test. yeah so they're at the front door so um you better go and speak to them mate it's almost like a cooling off period i think everyone has and it, and it will vary depending on what your next step is and also to what intensity you were doing the sport before really so yeah <clears throat> i think if you can find a good group of friends and join something different it's actually a good way to almost fill that gap yeah in your life but uh, it's almost like switching the problem it's it does take time to come to terms with you know because because a big goal like you would have your running as well if, if it was like an ultimate goal like sort of getting to the top of the sport as many people do to um you have a lot of you'll have a lot of motivation and fixation on that goal to have done the training that you did. So to suddenly, you know, they say it's like swimming upstream to your goal. Mm -hmm. So to then suddenly lift your feet up and drift downstream, it, it, that's what it can feel it's like sometimes. And yeah, it, it, it's going to have an impact on you because if you didn't care about it, then you wouldn't have done it mm. or been in a position where you nearly did make it. So yeah, um, that, yeah, it is a challenge. And I, I don't think there really is any one answer for it, to be honest. I think, you're guaranteed to feel um yeah to, to, to almost struggle with it to some level it's it's not it, it's difficult to go through that and to feel no sort of you know 
like absinthe really for not yeah. actually being there so um it's, it's it, you're right it's a difficult question and and for me it, it came in the form of joining a triathlon club and actually you know sort of finding out the more sociable side of sport I mean mm-hmm. especially like you know going on easy cycles and runs and just mostly doing it to be outside just and chatting chilling, with yeah, people chatting. was like a total new prospect for me mm-hmm. you know or you know I'd never had a I just had a Casio sports watch like so I never was like really tracking where I was going yeah. as as such so that was that helped me for the first few few years actually yeah I think I guess one thing as well is surely you must have gained other stuff in your life rather than being mm. sort of glued to the the, yeah. the lanes or the the line on the bottom of the pool the whole definitely. time and as you say you can kind of maybe relax a little bit more as well definitely yeah that's so true I think you do need to consider that when um you know if, if that sort of pursuit of elite sport does if you don't if you do end up closing that goal that that there's a lot that opens up for you because yeah. strictly to, to especially in this you know the sports like swimming and running to get to the top you need to be everything sort of weighed out for you around your rest and recovery so it, it's almost thought of as like a a silly thing if you were to have a big session in the morning say if you did a big you know talk your big threshold run set you know or yeah. like 15 by k or something like that in the morning then if you were to go for a you know family walk up up a hill in the evening or something that would look be looked upon as a yeah, silly thing to do doing? like why are you doing why are you that? spending time yeah. with your family or so there are lots of things that open up and obviously you know not just limited to family walks but even say like holidays with your friends and yeah. not just limited to off season um or new totally like new experiences new sports and and for me that's that is what i look back on in terms of i know i never would have done sort of some of the like the lake district swim and or camp canada yeah. or even just probably have gone to to sheffield and and been able to study a course i'm genuinely interested in so whilst it can feel like a difficult time also try and look at what you can do with your time because and be content with the decision that you made because if you're not as fine swimming is always a sport you can come back to at any yeah, point like 100%. i think that, that that is another thing that i probably would say is that your retention rate for your ability to swim is so much better than anyone can ever perceive i think mm-hmm. people think if you have two weeks out of the water um you know most swimmers think that you'll never be able to swim again but actually i had like you know like i said i was swimming 6k a week and that was enough to really retain yeah. almost 90 percent of my swimming so it's all good and i don't know why we're pretending that like you've you've retired from sport or like you're just <laughs> doing it at a, like a leisurely level because you're actually a world record holder well, yeah, I, I actually, well, George is actually a world record holder previously. So, someone oh. had, <laughs> so yeah, someone's um, actually, yeah, managed to go out and, and actually swim the lakes uh, really? in, in a quicker time, which is fantastic. And I that encourage good. more people to do it. I mm-hmm. hope it gets sort of registered as in like an official swim. Um, is it, is it not an official, is it an official world yeah. record or? Um, what what makes it an official record? I guess would be to contact Guinness World Records. Yeah, we need you in there. Um, but anyway, yeah. So so the sort of event that we're talking about is um yeah swimming swimming the length of all the lakes in the Lake District. How how um, many lakes have we got? So there's thirteen lakes. Yeah. Um, and sort of came about the idea. Um, my dad was a was an open. He's done a few open water swims later on in life to raise some money for charity and. He'd done Lake Windermere, and I was always keen to try and do Lake Windermere, the longest lake in England. Yeah. And um, I then saw next door was Lake Coniston, and I was like, whilst I was up there, I saw photos and some videos of people swimming there, and it looked lovely. Um, so you so I like to do that one as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just quickly totaled up what the total distance of them were, and um, yeah, it was seventy-three kilometers, and thought, 
I would uh, like to try and give that a go. I, I had no clue if I'd, where I'd get to. Um, and what was it you mentioned your dad, but was there something specifically that motivated you to do it? Has, had anyone done it before? Um, yeah, so well, for me, um, it was actually out in, out in Canada. That I, was, I, I came back from Canada, obviously enjoyed a bit of open water swimming. That's when I first started doing a bit more long distance open water swimming. Um, and then Ross Edgley had just swum around the UK. Mm. So that was the yeah. summer that he did that. And I just remember thinking, I was seeing the stats he was swimming per day. And I was like, looking at the map and thinking, how is a, you know. For, uh, yeah, for uh, those who don't know Ross Edgley, he's kind of like, a, he's a strong man, but he's yeah. done all of these ridiculous challenges. I'm trying to think what else he's done. Like he pulls tree logs from <laughs> yeah, the, the islands and the Bahamas. Yeah, so that's it. So he's done the tree apple and he called it, where he towed like a 150 pound tree. Um, yeah, on the swim bike and run phase of an Olympic distance triathlon. But yeah, he's yeah done some powerlifting. Also, I think he was a like a junior GB water polo player. Yeah. He's he's just remarkable. And obviously now is just tried to um, break the longest distance swim in a, in a lake in Loch Ness at right. the moment. So, but, but yeah, he he inspired you. Yeah, well, I just couldn't believe that a human could go as far as he was going uh, in swimming. So I wanted to see how far I could go. Yeah, and um, you know just. I just wanted to see what physically would stop me from swimming because sometimes when I'm in a wetsuit and I'm swimming I feel like I can swim endlessly really yeah and, and what is it that stops you is it is it mechanically something will go like is it is it a joint will your, will or your head go will your head go <laughs> or is it a case that you can only take in so many carbs per hour and mm -hmm. you'll be metabolizing a certain amount of carbs so actually the energy deficit will ultimately get you so I am um, I asked dad two days before and I was like is it okay if you kayak alongside me and I'm gonna try and swim were you uh, were you out in the lakes at this point no this was actually um so this was actually on the thames so i jumped in at henley okay henley on thames at 7 a.m yeah and then well, was this was this a summer just after summer camp okay. i came back and then um set out at 7 a.m and yeah I, I got to to marley which is about 13k down river and nice. I, I felt okay and that was sort of my longest swim by kilometer at that point so i thought you know what i'll keep going and see and then I got to, to Maidenhead, which was 26 kilometers. Yeah. Uh, and I, I remember I was actually outside Tom's house and dad was like, oh, this is a you know, great finish point and stuff. Well, well done, I think your dad was wanted to go off and uh, do something else for this Sunday. Or yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but the problem was, is I, I wasn't finished yet. I could still swim and I hadn't quite got. So to you the... were you were still feeling fresh after 26 K of swimming. I don't think fresh is the word I'd use, but <laughs> more I hadn't got to the end point that I was looking for. Yeah. So. I then thought, you know what, I'll try and get them to Windsor. So mm -hmm. only 12K down river. <laughs> and that 12K was, I learned a lot about myself. And that yeah. 12K, it was, was that a tough. Yeah, tough I just, yeah. I mean, I guess cyclists call it bonking when you lose all your carbs. And I, that's definitely what happened to me. And, um, but yeah, made it to Windsor. That's 38 kilometer swim. So 10 hours of swimming, basically. Um, so, and it was summer, unfortunately. So it wasn't that much flow assistance because I did a 6K prep swim the day before and my 3K upstream was actually quicker. So I think it was pretty like negligible effect of current. So it was after that swim, that was 38K. I was kind of yeah. looking for a bigger one the next summer for charity. Okay. Um, so I was looking at maybe two-way in Windermere, but then I saw, I just saw it was, would have been a remarkable like adventure to actually mm -hmm. have to travel between all the lakes as well. Because yeah. some of them you sort of have to hike to, some of them we actually kayaked down the connecting rivers between as well. So, um, yeah, and, and that, that's where the sort of idea came about, really, after that big swim on the Thames to see how far I could go. And once I had a rough idea about what my body could do, I then just took that into yeah. the Lake District. Really. And was it 
was what was the toughest thing to do with with planning it i guess the trying to swim 75k in itself especially as you'd only done about 40 yeah surely that that's up there but was there anything specifically where you're thinking this this is really going to be a challenge for me the the difficult thing was um actually when you're trying to swim the length of each lake so obviously with this type of challenge you're not going to want to try and cut corners you want to make sure mm. it's actually officially end to end and the way that private land works in the lake district doesn't necessarily mean there's a lovely beautiful path <laughs> walking you know going to drop you in at the end to end so what that did mean is we would have to walk down um, to the edge of the lake and then sometimes like i would actually have to swim <laughs> to the start point or if i have to get across yeah to get across and that mileage obviously didn't really count yeah um and i remember for Oldswater, my dad uh, he sort of he put me in the front of the inflatable kayak and kite me over to the start point and was sort of getting us right into the reeds as like far back as we could and yeah. I was just shivering so much on the way over because the water's about 13 it was about 13 degrees at the yeah. time so it was um yeah the temperature was was another another huge factor to deal with so but. what what time of year did you do it in? so it was it was actually it was July 28th to the 30th okay um but the lake district like the the water temperature of the lakes is is very dependent on the weather so as soon as you get a big rainfall, yeah, um, you can literally see the waterfalls coming off the gullies, and okay. that's just, just freezing meant, water yeah. coming your way. <laughs> Precisely that, because it was like two weeks before it was up around 17, 18, mm-hmm. but it just sort of plummeted that week. But I thankfully had a wetsuit still. I mean, there's yeah. I just like you know, I'd have to pack a few more pounds before uh, looking at these challenges for non-wetsuit yeah. swimming. No, that'd be ridiculous. So in the end, it, it took was it three days? I just planned it over three days, not in terms of it. it that was around sort of 20 to 25k a day and that that seemed like a distance and it, it's it worked best with the lakes that way without having to sort of swim through the night yeah. i mean did you not not fancy uh the, the two hours well on, the two thing hours is, is off. it was also um it, yeah it was good when my parents up there supporting me as well i didn't kind of want to turn it into this thing i, I know some people go and walk the three peaks in say 24 hours but yeah. your summit a peak at like pitch black is yeah what? this was about an adventure and actually raising money for charity and obviously a lot of the newspapers ran away with the headline of a world record and i am perhaps looking at going back at some point and actually trying to do it as fast as I we'll can. we'll come out in the night with you oh yeah leave your parents yeah. at home we'll need be out a, there in the reeds yeah need uh need tom to maybe pace me for that yeah bit, he'd be but... better than i would I think. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the hardest day i'd say was um the third day so started out in Oldswater, which is a really pretty lake it's the second longest one but that's the one where i spoke about how shivering on the boat on the way over to the start point and my right shoulder just um it just totally seized up as I started swimming and I think all the tendons and you think about how many rotations how many k's had you done at this point so that was about uh, about 45 ish okay. yeah so um the last day was oh no it would have been yeah 55 ish actually 55 ish because the last day was a bit smaller but so you've done just to put that in context over over two days you've done 10k more than a marathon pretty much yeah near enough yeah and you've still got 20 25 20, yeah. to go exactly um and starting that swim now I just my shoulder just totally locked up and that meant I had to start swimming with one arm <laughs> but then I wasn't swimming quick enough to actually generate enough heat to stay warm yeah so um thankfully I had a, a flask of hot squash in the kayak and dad kind of told me to like kind of get on with it and <laughs> take some squash <laughs> and thankfully after you know that helped warm me up and then 
I just did a little bit of drill, actually a bit of fingertip drag and just slowly move that arm over. And then it started to free up. Okay. And then, um, so you got your right arm back. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, we were motoring. I mean, we're averaging like way over 5k an hour down the final straight. Cause we had a bit of a, a bit of a following wind. So you had a bit of a swell, so you could kind of body surf every now and then. Nice. Um, so yeah, that was definitely a low point, but I knew then once I'd done that, I only had like, there's still five leaks left, but they're a bit smaller. Yeah. And I knew if it came to it, if I had to just kick them, like I'd get myself around. You'd get so, it done. But the t- yeah, Oldswater 12K, that was a that was a difficult one. That was a tough one. And I think people with these kind of challenges, and it certainly interests me, is what was your fueling strategy? That like how did you get enough into yeah. your body, especially considering your body's got to keep yourself warm, Definitely. which obviously t- takes up energy. Yeah. What did how, yeah. how did what was the, the snack of choice? <laughs> No, you're totally right. Your, your calorie expenditure, it's not just from the swimming. It's like temperature regulation is a big loss. Um, for me, I actually, um, I mean, bananas were like yeah. my main sort of like easy carbohydrate, but I, I would sort of get creative with them. I even mashed them up and made like a banana flapjack okay. with loads of peanut butter in because like, nice. I just find like I'd, real I'd oily. That. You like peanut I like butter? that, yeah, <laughs> I'd take both of those. <laughs> I have to make it sometime, but yeah, that, that was... Um, and, and that and I actually had chocolate oat milk as well because that seemed, just seemed to sit with me fine mm-hmm. and uh, if you get the sort of full fat stuff it's got quite a few calories but that that's ultimately the, the big question in long distance swimming is an ultra endurance events it's about your fueling especially you know you look at people like Mark Beaumont and things like cycling around the world it's, it's about trying to keep your glycogen levels up yeah um is is the endless challenge but it's so difficult to do when you're swimming I was only feeding every half an hour so there's a an element and you have to it. i guess you have to stop as well because like whereas yeah. with maybe running or on the bike yeah you can keep going yeah and then you're getting cold once you stop yeah so exactly that <laughs> it's not working but how did yeah. it feel to get to the end of that challenge because obviously it's something you've been planning for a little yeah. while you didn't i guess you must you must have backed yourself but you were never always going to do it so how no. yeah how did it how did it feel to, to get it done definitely i mean we, we turned up on that the first morning on windermere and it was it was so cold and seeing the water temperature at what it was we just had to, you know, I just had a chat with my dad and we sort of said, we're going to see how far down Windermere we can get. And if we get to the end, great, we'll move on to lake two. So I wasn't even sure if I'd finish lake one because of the temperature. Yeah. Um, so to, to, yeah, to get to the end of Derwent Water, which is where we finished, it was a beautiful glassy still um, summer evening. And yeah, it was, um, I had a very good, some friends from university that came up as well. And um, it was just, uh, it was like a spiritual sort of atmosphere i just remember this feeling of even though you're so tired yeah you always find it's like that psychological handbrake right like mm-hmm. if you do a marathon your last mile will still be a quick one right yeah. or your last kill even if it's up even if it's uphill yeah. you'll smash it yeah. out yeah it's like how can i possibly like when you're a few kilometers before it you're like how can i possibly run any quicker i've got nothing left and then yeah. suddenly you find that burst and that was i definitely found that effect on don't water i started like feeling really good about myself on the yeah. last kilometer and I was like maybe I can do this again <laughs> you'll be back soon yeah I hope to yeah you did your degree in natural sciences kind of yeah, thing around sort of biology and so conservation how did you end up becoming coach within the Welsh triathlon setup um, so obviously at university I did um like I sort of mentioned about the university triathlon and doing some coaching there and and after after the lake swim actually I had um, a lot of interest from some of the local triathlon team and okay. and other people in terms of you know a lot of remarkable people reached out of their own ultra endurance challenges and I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed some of that sort of mentoring process of helping them to achieve their goals 
Um, so I, I actually set up, I did, I've done a bit of swim coaching myself, sort okay. of set up my own company. And then from there, I saw the role with Welsh Triathlon. And mm-hmm. it's an amazing opportunity to get in with a national governing body of like really highly skilled coaches and also highly high performing athletes. It's, um, it's a great opportunity for a, like a young coach to go in. And um, yeah, so got the job with them. I think they nice. were interested to find someone to help develop some of the swimming especially the technical side of swimming because you know in triathlon uh, a lot of them come from a fantastic running background I mean ultimately it's still you know they sometimes say it's like a wash in the swim a blow dry and then a running race right yeah (laughs) so the swim is definitely an area especially on the technical side that I think a lot of triathletes are trying to find some gains on so I think that they were hoping to try and take some of the skills from competitive swimming into triathlon and develop that and and with your job it, it actually took you to the commonwealth games didn't it yeah you, you and tom were actually were you, were you playing table tennis <laughs> together in the village that's right yeah it's, it was um quite peculiar we said you know if someone said six years ago when we were training uh together at maidenhead like if um it, if someone could have said that we'll both be at the commonwealth Games six years on that uh, you know it, it would just be it's 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 very funny the outcome of it i mean m- maybe i would have if someone said that to me back then, I would have rather been a swimmer there. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know what? It was equally an incredible experience. I was, I was really fortunate to be there as a, as a coach with Jersey Triathlon. So okay. um, Oliver Turner, he's um, a triathlete from our centre in Cardiff. And he, um, he he was racing and competing for Jersey. So I went there and uh, represented him as a coach and sort of supported him throughout the Commonwealth experience. And, and did you enjoy village life? Yeah, yeah, it was... Um, it was crazy. I mean, I think everyone knew Birmingham was going to put on a good show, really. Yeah. Um, that I think the UK crowds had, had a massive like home advantage. I mean, you would have heard that on the swimming. You mm-hmm. had to watch something. Yeah, yeah, it was good. When the Brits are coming out, it's just <laughs> crazy, the crowd. So, and yeah, they, they put on a great show. So in the village, it was, um, it was the university village, basically. So they had um, various sort of and entertainment tents where like that's what you said we were playing table tennis and uh it was really cool meeting all the different sports people like playing pool against i think one of the walkers from professional walkers from kenya and yeah seeing everyone it, it's quite funny at, at the dining hall you can kind of tell with all the different phenotypes what people what sports people do you mm-hmm. can see the big sort of giant swimmers or basketball players and you know some of the smaller like divers such a great mix yeah and is, is tom any good at table tennis or were you carrying him through throughout the week you know what? it was getting a bit dark and i think my eyesight is not, not getting so good anymore <laughs> it was so. an, out, an outdoor yeah they, outdoor could, they couldn't even afford to say, get not, you a not nice in indoor tent, complex no. so wow. lucky for tom i think i was like beating him at the start but as it got darker he started to yeah beat okay. me. <laughs> he's got he's got some good eyes then yeah yeah and as i guess you move on um so you've stopped with your role at, at welsh triathlon what's yeah what's next for you well I, I guess in terms of employment I, I enjoyed um you know as I said doing sort of more conservation side around my degree so I hope hope to find um some work um around ho- hopefully improving some of our environment around the UK and especially interested in water quality um from open water swimming and and even a bit more recently you know enjoying the some sea swims as well I think just noticing how rapidly the water levels like water quality is fluctuating mm. it's obviously very topical right now but yeah. it's hopefully something that we can improve over the next few years especially as as open water swimming is growing right now I mean I'm sure that's something Tom will speak about more of but how um you know more and more people are sort of returning to rivers for swimming now which is great but hopefully we just got to make sure the water quality is good enough for that yeah and um, so but then in terms of sort of 
long distance swimming i think tom and i are in the planning stages of something okay. something big so i'm sure are, are we going to get an exclusive or is it still very early stages it's well it it will it will be i think after paris now for tom because okay. <laughs> we can't really afford to put a shoulder out or something Absolutely before not. <laughs> we can't um, get his, his right shoulder completely no, freezing up no he's got bigger fish to fry before then possibly really, so, um but after that i think we're looking at yeah some big swims and obviously for them to sort of be non-wetsuit we need to look at somewhere a bit more temperate so um a bit closer towards the equator but okay. um I'm that's sure we'll that's release, a big plan we'll release, down towards uh, the equator. More, yeah <laughs> we'll release more as um yeah we get closer to yeah. finalizing that really and it will hopefully be a bit warmer than uh lake oh, the lake district yeah yeah that's yeah. that that would be nice for you um but yeah george thank you so much for um coming on the weekly freestyle um obviously a slight shame that the tom had to depart us halfway through but uh, it's been fascinating listening to you um so interesting listening to how i guess your early career started and obviously you got such a passion a talent and, and you work hard within sport and then i guess how that's changed and, and has developed and how you've i guess your life away from sport and i guess your feelings towards things um but yeah i don't think we could have got a much better guest to start <laughs> off uh, season two um so yeah absolutely buzzing with that and and all the best for the future Thanks. Yeah. No, best of luck with the rest of the podcast. I'm sure you get some big people on here. Oh, so. There'll be none, none bigger. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, we're certainly keen to get George back on the podcast at some point um, to discuss a lot more um, in more detail. Please feel free to get in touch with us at The Weekly Freestyle on Instagram and The Weekly Freestyle at Outlook.com on email. Any suggestions you have, thoughts, uh, ideas, anything, we'd love to hear it. Um, so yeah, hit us up and um, we're going to try and get some video content out this week. So look out for that.